Kaiju Network podcast. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host. Jason, what's going on, everyone? And for the first time in over four and a half years, we actually have guests on this show. They are the dynamic duo of the upcoming Kickstarter project, Kaijus and Cowboys, Mr. Frankie B. Washington and Mr. Matthew Blair. Thank you so much, guys, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, all set on my end? All good. Okay. All right. Cool, cool. All right, so Frankie, we'll just start with you here first. Kind of, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, as far as just kind of what you've been doing throughout the course of your career, and then kind of how you got into kaiju? And then Matt, when Frankie's done, we'll ask you to the same thing. All right. Hey, all right. Hey, Kent, Jason, thank you so much for having me spill some of my madness on this channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I grew up in uh, Boston in a place called Jamaica Plain. And at a young age, um, I always had a fascination and a love for monsters. And my mom, the earliest memories I have is that uh, she would go shopping and, you know, get groceries and brown paper bags and stuff. And what she would do is um, just to keep me busy, she would just rip the bag and then just hand it to me and say, all right, boy, just draw something. And I would just draw. I just I just had that that kind of. Um, that, just that that natural kind of ability of just drawing stuff. And I always had a very creative mind. I would say that what really got me going into um, kajus, giant monsters. And when I think of kajus, I want to also add in Western kajus, which would be the 1950s movies like them. Um, I even considered the, the Colossal Man as being a kaju. Um, I mean, boy, Black Scorpion, all that. Was it Black Scorpion? Giant yeah, I think Behemoth. Black, yeah, they were Giant Behemoth and stuff like uh, It came from beneath the sea. Mm-hmm. All right. So that that those were the movies that I began seeing, like on Creature Double Feature, um, which was like a block kind of programming. And then eventually came the Toho invasion of the Showa era. And that just blew my mind. It was like this whole thing. First, the Godzilla 1954 movie. Was it 54? Yes. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Oh, that would have made me look so bad. It looked like I had an egg on my face. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I made mistakes. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Look at him. Just pulling things. Out. I got like a book underneath. Just looking at it. <laughs> so anyway, and then and then going into the show era with the, the you know suit, fantastic suitmation, the, the Kara, uh, incredible music by Kara. After seeing that stuff, I um. My biggest moment for me that, that I always tell people is that my mom decided to take me to Child World. Child World was this massive toy store similar to Toys R Us. And it was a place where literally you go there and it's just toys, toy, mm -hmm. toy, toys. And I remember my mom taking me. It was in Dedham, Mass. And she said, Frank, she said, come on, as we're going through the door. And it was a spinner rack. And I remember the spinner rack was just filled with all the comic books and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, I'm just sort of hanging behind and stuff. And... Lo and behold, right on that, right on that cover, I mean, right on that, 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 um, that spinner rack, this bright cover. Let me see if you guys can see it. Nice. The Shogun Warriors. The Shogun Warriors is, I would say, the definitive thing that really got me, like, I was like, oh my God, Marvel, first Marvel Comics is doing this. And this is something that I love, the super robots and monsters and stuff like that. But first, just seeing that inspired me so much. It was like the start of it where I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I love superheroes. I don't, you know, I love superheroes. I love fantasy. I love everything, horror. But this just showed that somehow what I was seeing on Creature Level Feature was now being trans, um, translated onto 
comic books here in the West. And so I was like, well, maybe I could, you know, maybe one day, you know, I, I in my head, I always knew that I would have to get better. But maybe just one day I could hopefully be doing something like that. Um, I love Herb Trimpey. I had the pleasure of meeting Herb Trimpey a couple of times before his uh, before he passed away. Um, I never got a chance to meet Doug Munich, who was the um, writer and, and, and on, on the Shogun Voice, as well as the Godzilla comic book. But that book was so instrumental in me, just wanted to sort of push myself in drawing and eventually one day, hopefully drawing um, giant codges and giant robots. And now if we span through the time, do a big leap, I end up going to art school. It's a three year school at the time called Butera School of Art. I actually had a chance to um, a choice of either going to the Joe Kubert School or um, and it was a couple other schools too, but the Butera, the all Butera. Butera was located in Boston and Joe Kubert School was located in Jersey. And at that time, I did not want to leave Massachusetts. I was, I was scared. I'll be honest with you. I was just like the fact of going into a new state and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I didn't know after I left school, art school, I didn't know if I still had that passion of wanting to do comic books. I also was at that fine time. It was like I graduated in, uh, 1991, so I was 21 years old. I I changed a lot from art school. I learned a lot of different things, and I just was like, I don't know if comics are going to be the thing for me. And I kind of just went off on my own. And you know, I you know I didn't get work immediately. It took another two years before I actually got paid doing art. Um, but I stuck at it. I remember I was very adamant because I felt like, look, um, I did all this stuff. I went to art school. I had these people that believed in me, who was sort of pushing me to do it. And I said, I have to make money doing this. I have to, you know, I had to make it, um, it had to be real. You know what I mean? It was like, I, I'm not just doing something just to do it and be like, oh, okay, I, I got my whatever degree and whatever. And they say, okay, I'm going to go do something else that's totally far removed from what I went to school for. And so I got very fortunate. I jumped on the first gig that came my way. And that first gig was from a production company that was located in Waltham, Mass. And they and they ended up doing two films, which I worked on. I did storyboards for the two films. Both films got picked up by Miramax. Uh, Miramax. Um, one of them was called uh, Next Stop Wonderland. And the first one was Squeeze. So Squeeze was a, a coming of age kind of story. And then the next one was Next Stop Wonderland. And, uh, and then I, I learned some stuff from that but I still needed more stuff to learn. And so I got fortunate and was hired by an animation studio, which is gone now, but they were pretty big at the time, all of your animation. They did a ton of stuff. They, 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 I think they even did some MTV stuff, intro stuff, some of the animated stuff for that. The last gig I remember doing with them before they were on the verge of closing shop was a work on the Universal theme park. The, you know, I, I haven't gone there, but, um, for the Hulk ride, I think for the Hulk ride, and I guess there's a, a Spider-Man ride or something there. But anyway, they did the animation. So people waiting, they watched the animation. So I got to work on that a little bit. And then after that animation studio and after the film stuff, I was sort of wandering. I said, man, I gotta, I gotta make money. I mean, that's the end result. I was like, I, I'm an artist and I have to somehow survive. And so a good friend of mine said, hey, Frank, why don't you, um, getting advertising they said first off advertising pays very well um but it's a very hardcore kind of business it's not for the weak of the faint of hearts <laughs> it's like you know you, you're getting gigs you're, you're almost like a doctor you know a doctor's on call all the time but that's how advertising is it's like um you know once you get hooked up to an agency and then they say boom you know like right now if i'm talking to you guys right now i get a call bang yo frank we need some 
storyboards done. We need 50 storyboards fully colored and we need them by 3 p.m. today. That's advertising. A lot of artists can't cut it. Um, I I was amazed that I was able to hang in there, but I'm, I'm a stubborn person. I don't like to give up. So once I got into that kind of field, um, it, it, it toughened me up. It definitely did. It showed me the face of business. Um, for the longest time, I also had that uh, mentality of many artists, I believe, out there who have this mentality where you just want to just create stuff and you just want to create art and you want to pray that people look at it and they go, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's wonderful. I, I, I say I don't want to destroy that part. But then there's the reality. If you're dealing with business and you want to make a living and you want to pay your bills, then you got to understand that what you're doing is that you have, you're doing a service. And that service, you have to you know, handle your business. You have to be able to um, um, get deadlines done, you know, and if you do a good job, you're rewarded by getting more calls. You get more work. Simple as that. And so I stuck in that off and on. I still get occasionally, I don't get as much advertising gigs these days, but occasionally I'll get someone from my past who'll call me up and say, hey, Frank, can you just do this? You think you can bust this out or whatever? I say, okay. Now, leaping into a bunch of other stuff because I don't want to, I want my man Matt to get in here. Um, I worked off and on on comic books. I actually self-published the comic book years ago, years back when I was in art school. But then from there, I started working on various different things. I would say that a lot of people kind of know me back in 2013 for this little gym. This was Robot God Akamatsu. And I was working with James Biggie, who was a huge, like, Transformer fan and who ended up doing uh, some, so a lot of um, artwork, some, some artwork, I think cover artwork for IDW. And we had this concept about mm, a robot, super robot, homage to super robot, but also Kajus. And came out in 2013, got picked up by a publisher. Went pretty good. We, you know, we, we took six, uh, six comics and compressed them into a graphic novel. Um, it went really well. We had a lot of interviews, a lot of people loved it, did a lot of cool things with it. The only downside of it that when I look back at it was the fact that me and James um, approached it from the standpoint of two artists working on something. You know, we, we understood marketing. He also worked in advertising. We understood marketing. We understood um, creating a product and making it look really good. The downside of it was that neither one of us wanted to deal with the business aspect of it. We just didn't. We knew all, you know, by that time, too, I was still doing freelance work and stuff like that. So my main thing was like, OK, I'm going to work on this, but also I got to pay the bills because I'm not going to be making a ton of money from that, from the comic. I got to I got to be doing these kind of gigs and then vice versa. He had a family and stuff like that. So the unfortunate side was that, you know, it just it just lost steam. Now we bounce a couple of more years further and I meet that lovely gentleman right there. Um, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, Matthew. And. Matthew, let's do it online. It was like an online thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, freelance. Freelance. It was on freelance. And then he contacted me and stuff. And um, he said he had a webcomic, a web series, um, Secret Lives of Villains. And I said, okay, cool. And we, I said, let's, let's do some stuff. And we started working on it. And uh, we worked on that bad boy till I want to say, I'm going to say right now, definitively five years. Yes, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah sounds about That's right. That's about right. Five years. Five years we worked on it. It's available. You know, people can see them. Uh, it's on Webtoons, Tapa, and also on the, the actual page on the uh, Cambrian Comics site. And um, 
we we were able to do a bunch of different things with that. It was black and white. Um, some of the early stuff that I did, I was able when I had some free more free time, I actually put screen tone, which is like I'm not talking like on the computer screen tone. I'm saying by hand screen tone on the actual artwork. So the earlier pages, you see that, and then over time, because of work coming and things coming in, I had to speed up and I had to do more digital stuff adding on there. But we we were able to sneak some stuff in there. Def, definitely with giant robots and definitely with kajus. You know, even though the main crux of the story wasn't about that kind of the genre, we were able to sneak it in there. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was really good. It was well received. Then we decided to um, come up with this concept. Kajus and Cowboys. And we played around with the different title of how it's going to be named or whatever. I love the West, too. I, I'm a big fan of the West. But also, as anything, I love Kajus. And Matthew was like, hey, what about this idea? And beside that, too, we also worked on some short stories for Alterna Comics. Called One was called, uh, no, Team uh, KS1. Yeah, Team KS1. Yeah. Team KS1. It's another short little stories that we did, which dealt with, again, Kajus. And which it was more like military. Um, they had military suits. I based them. I love the Centurions. I don't know if anyone remembers that cartoon series, but the Centurions. And so I was sort of. And Matthews was telling me about almost like that material, uh, military kind of armor kind of thing, fighting against giant kajus. So we did a couple of stories with that, and then that's when it evolved into kajus versus cowboys. And so, there you go. <laughs> you still got your ears? <laughs> yeah, brief, brief history. Oh, yeah. oh man, I was trying to get through it. I'm like, oh my god! No, 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 you're, you're good. Like, ah, you're good. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, right. same question. There you go. All right. So, uh, my history is nowhere near as extensive, uh, or as detailed, or as capable as Frankie's. Oh, um, come on now, come on. Well. I mean, I was born in 1989. Oh. I mean, like you know, you 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 got you got the age on me as well. Oh man. my goodness! Oh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I was um, I was born in 1989. I was born in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, we moved around a lot. Um, um, both my parents are ministers, so you know, thanks to their uh, uh, their jobs, I had to move around a lot. Like I. After North Carolina, we moved to Washington, D.C., and then after that, we moved to uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, then Rhode Island, then back to Massachusetts. Then I went to college in Florida, uh, graduated there, uh, moved back home, spent some time in Chicago, and then moved back home because the job didn't work out. and during all of that time, during most of that time, I had almost no interest in comic books whatsoever. Mm. Um, when I was a little, um, like I, I come from a very literary family. Uh, my, uh, my parents may have been ministers, but they were also English majors. So like and also I went to a school uh, that placed a lot of emphasis on reading and writing and processing all of that. So I learned how to write in a very organized fashion. Um, and when I was little, I also was raised on a very, a steady diet of like Greek mythology and Norse mythology. Yes. And I never really made that connection to comic books until, Oh God. Um, middle of high school when I started watching uh, Bruce Tim 
Uh, oh. Bruce Tim works like yes, the chess yes. cartoon, and I was like, "Hey, this is pretty good. Hey, <laughs> yeah. this this means something. Hey, this this sound like you know this looks a lot like the stuff I've been reading. You know, this looks kind of interesting. But again, yeah. still wasn't very interested and wasn't into into it all that much. Fast forward when I'm in college, and the MCU launches, hmm. and like I go see the first Iron Man movie, and I'm like. Okay, this is interesting. I'd like to learn a little bit more. Um, and then I started going into, uh, you know, Wikipedia, fan sites, all that stuff. And I was a history major in college. So, like, you know, again, you know, mythology, yeah. legends, myth, like that all came very easy to me. And then applying that to, you know, comic books, the industry, mm. you know, the, the history of these creators and what was going on, yeah. like the golden yeah. age of comics. Like I love golden age superheroes. They, they, yes. they're just so absolutely yes. insane. Yeah. And it's like yeah. this idea of just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what works, yes. like, you know, love it. Oh. Um, you know, Minus the problematic racism, you know, we can do that. Yeah. It's the time. It was the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, we we understand how wrong that yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the M the MCU was like, okay, this is a viable thing. Mm -hmm. I'm into superheroes now. Still wasn't interested in making this into a career. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward after college and after Chicago, and uh, my life didn't you know I, I had hopes and dreams and thoughts and plans and everything was gonna you know be a certain way mm. uh and then i graduated and i realized oh wait we're recovering from a goddamn recession um, <laughs> yeah and oh. i have a ba in history and i don't want to teach yeah. uh what do i do yeah and things did not go very well yeah. i was not in a good place mentally I was living at home. Like I was like, you know, why am I doing this? I should be out there. I should be living on my own. Like this isn't fair. This isn't right. Um, I, I got a little depressed and yeah, I distinctly yeah. remember one day I, I know exactly where I was. I know exactly, you know, what the weather was like and all that. And I thought to myself, I was lying in bed and I thought to myself, I'm going to write a comic book. I'm going to, oh. you know, make, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to, you know, make a living and I'm going to make a name for myself creating comic books. It can't be that hard. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It's psychotically <laughs> difficult. It's yeah. insanely hard. Yes. Um, and so I, well, I thought to myself, okay, what do I need to do? Well, I need to get a job. So, you know, I got a crappy little food service. I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. Ah. I did that for five freaking years of my life. Yeah. I, you know, the coworkers were nice, but I had to drag my ass out of, out of oh, can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I dragged my ass out of bed at three o'clock in the goddamn morning to get there at four yeah. o'clock. And yeah. it was it was awful, but yeah. I had my thoughts. I had yeah. my ideas. Like I would be, you know, dragging two ton bags of garbage out and I would be thinking about what I was going to write. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is all before the secret lives of villains. Like I oh, had okay. a different thing that I produced, but has not seen the light of day ah. um, and will never see the light of day because it was ah. the first script I ever wrote. And mm. it is awful. Um, but, uh, then at that point, 
I started thinking, well, okay, we've got all these superhero movies coming out. You know, what can I do to sort of try to cash in on this? Like, oh, what about like a sitcom with a family of supervillains? It went through a couple of uh, different sort of filters and different ideas, but like, you know, that, that's where we ended up. And then I posted on freelance and I said, Hey, you know, I have have this idea who wants it. And Frankie replied and said, you know, Hey, this is a good idea. And the rest of they say is history. So, you know, that happened for three years. I think that that happened for about four years. And then like, you know, I was working the job at Dunkin' Donuts. I started adding a few more other jobs on uh, on top of that to just, you know, uh, you know, pay for Frankie, pay for gas in my car. I was still living at home with my parents. And I think at the height, I, uh, height of this, I was working like four different jobs all at once. Oh. So I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I was getting home at seven o'clock at night. Wow. Again, things were, you know, it was, yeah. it was yeah. stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, do not wish to go back to those times. No, yeah. Uh, and so at that point, I thought, well, okay, so I want to write comic books for a living. What do I do? Well, let's go to where comic books are made. And so, you know, I looked at, you know, where you know, I looked at all these publishers and companies and I thought, okay, I can move to New York. I can move to Los Angeles or I can move to Portland, Oregon. New York is close, <laughs> but it's expensive. expensive. LA yep. is kind of cheap, pretty- but it's, it's hot. Uh, <laughs> I like that kind of cheap and hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, it's kind of expensive. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's manageable. Okay. Uh, things are happening. It's where Dark Horse and Image are uh, yeah. based. And so, yeah, I moved to Portland. Um, still doing the webcomic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wound up working only I got I got it down to two jobs, but then I was able to quit one. And now I'm a one job person. So hooray for that. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, we're, we're doing the webcomic now, like fast forward into the nitty gritty. Um, we're doing the webcomic and like I had watched Pacific Rim, really loved it. I yes. watched and, and then it was 2014 and the 2014 Godzilla comes out. Yes. And I thought it was an OK movie. You know, the, 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 the critiques of it are well warranted. Um but the one scene that really stuck to me was the scene where they're doing the uh, halo jump, yeah. where they're, they're, they're doing the, the, the plane and they're jumping into Godzilla's territory. Mm-hmm. And I saw it because it, it also made the trailer. And I watched it and I was like, hey, wait a minute. That music's the music from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, is it? And God, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. 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 They, wow. They have the choir. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this this looks really cool. And like I, I love that idea of like, you know, the, the tiny humans trying to go up against a giant monster. And I was mm. like, we can make a story off of this. Like, you know, this this can be a thing. Yeah. And that was the initial germ of Team KS1. That, that yeah. was where like the idea came. And it took a couple more years. And, you know, I, I, I was busy, you know, trying to organize everything, trying to live my life and trying to get like my living situation sane and stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
when, when, when did we do KS1? 2018? Oh yeah, let's just say that. I want to say roughly yeah. around that time, yeah. Yeah, 2018. And then at that point, like, you know, the webcomic had been going on. And, like, I had this general feeling, like, you know, we've got, like, 400-plus strips. Oh, yeah. And, like, it was, <laughs> and, like, you know, maybe it's, it's time to do something else. And, like, yeah. hey, Frankie, how about this idea I have for yeah. Kaiju? And because uh, I, I had seen – you know, Frankie's love of kaiju and like oh, all this. My, po- my, my pulse things, you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it rubbed off on me. Like, I became a kaiju oh fan. Oh, my God. Frankie. I know. Look uh, at that. Internet bombing. Boom. So, boom. Something else is coming out. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it worked. And so I was like, you know, hey, Frankie, here's yeah. a story you might want to draw. Like, yeah. And so that happened. And then. God, uh, 2019, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the first story published through Alterna. Yeah. Well, no, no, it was it no, it was it was 2020. We had the first story published through Alterna. Yeah. And then you reached out to me and said something about like, oh, kaiju and western, like kaiju, like oh, wow, you know, okay, something like that. I think. Oh I, man, memory. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, did I? <laughs> I still have. I think I still have the email. I can double check. All right. Uh, but. Like you said, you wanted to do something with uh, kaiju's and westerns, and I was like, okay, can the can we have cowboys and can they be robots? And I'm gonna mention this real quick so people don't freak out. There was a book years ago called was it Cadillac? Because they did do a di- there was one with cowboys and dinosaurs or cat was it Cadillacs and dinosaurs? I don't know if you guys know your. I'm not sure. No. Well, back, well, I think I back in the 80s, but something. So maybe that might have sparked it in my head. I feel like it did back in the 80s. There was a, a comic series, and then they made it into an animation series. Series, and it's called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. And then it's, they it's might, the 80s. They they, they just they did, did everything. <laughs> they took every toy and whatever. But I remember that might have sparked that interest. Where I was like, ah, yeah, I've done some Western stuff, and I was like, okay, cool. How can we make it interesting though? Yeah. And then that's when it was yeah. the, the idea of the robot. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I and then you told me some some small stuff about it. And I did an initial sketch. And my first yeah. thought in my head was Clint Eastwood, the man with no name. I just immediately and then of course, as I got dreadlocks, I was like, he's got dreadlocks. <laughs> you know, that's how my mind thinks. But then also part of me is because I love a lot of the old school, like Gonage, who did um Mazinga Z and stuff like that. I personally love that old school aesthetics of how they design characters, you know, like they would have a big bolt, you know, you know, something, some kind of glowing thing like their horns coming out of their, 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 they would think of these really crazy things. So I said, okay, I want, I I was thinking of Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, Gonage, and then also Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy's played in um, some Westerns too, in a way. And he's always, I loved his frame. He just was this nice, big, mountainous-looking guy. He looked like physically, like he could just grab you. He had big hands. He could just grab you and just yoke you up. And I was like, okay. And then I just started thinking of his character. And um, and then I, I did the classic face. Maybe there might have been a little bit of Jet Jaguar in there because I always loved how Jet Jaguar looked like he's grinning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I'm going to smile on his face and lips and whatever. And so... That was the one. That was the initial rough sketch. That's how my brain goes. I start seeing different images and I just start going, you know, start drawing in this stuff. And then I showed it to um, Matt and he just was like, oh, that's cool, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Frank, Frankie's inspiration definitely comes like, I mean, like 
I, I, I was unaware of all of this. So like, this, yeah. is, this is fantastic to see like artistic inspiration, uh, like visual inspiration yeah. for that. Like my, my um, inspiration sort of as a writer um, mm-hmm. was more like, I, I, I don't, necessarily think in terms of like visuals like my my background and like my you know writing experience is more metaphorical as well sure, and so sure. like what i was thinking when i saw like you know oh we have a kaiju story and we have a cowboy story hey that would make a great title yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but like you know we have you know what what is a kaiju story a kaiju story is uh, a nature metaphor with fire breath and punching um, okay what is a western well you've got like you know manifest destiny you know going out in in a covered wagon to stake your claim and you know bend the land to your will that sort of thing so like you've got you know humankind going out and trying to make nature their own versus nature fighting back there's a lot mm. of great narrative tension there. wow he went deeper than i went <laughs> there's a lot of well there's a lot that's of great stuff though. that's how we that. work that that's how we work great because in my mind um i'm always thinking of the aesthetics like again a, another person who i love is jack kirby every person says that mm-hmm. i love jack kirby's artwork i you know there's a lot of artists today. i think that after the 2000s um a lot of the major um publishers uh, marvel dc and stuff like that the art styles you started noticing the art styles being much more realistic like they're telling their artists, well, we want you to draw everything realistic, you know, more like after Brian Hitch, he did the Ultimates. I don't know if you guys remember that Marvel's Ultimates, where it was like, that's pretty much the basis of the MCU Avengers. Okay. Everything, if you ever want to look back on something, the Ultimates is when literally the definitive moment where the Marvel studio, that whole Marvel MCU started. The Ultimates, because that's where Brian Hitch, a phenomenal artist, um, I think he was under the tutelage of Alan Davis, who did a bunch of stuff. But he's a guy who literally put Sam Sam Jackson in a comic book. He, that's when Sam Jack. That's when yeah, yeah. Nick Fury was always a white guy, and then he was, he was Hasselhoff before he was. Sam <laughs> yeah, he was Hasselhoff, he was Hasselhoff but yeah. but he was a white guy, and then Brian Hitch and and his team, whoever they decided to put Sam Jackson in as Nick Fury, and then that began to start where they changed they changed the whole thing with um uh steve uh, steve rogers and that they, they just started tweaking certain things of the marvel comics universe and they were beginning to lay down the um the pavement for the mcu so anyway in my head i was sitting there going all right you got it's not like you're just getting one publisher that's telling artists to draw more realistic but i'm starting to see a lot of publishers saying this is the style the definitive style is realistic everyone's got guns military badges it's like where's the escapism you know and i look at i'm not trying to throw shade on it because i think that it does have its place you know i love the punisher and stuff like that but do i want to see everyone drawing that kind of style i think there should be a, a sense of you know no variation. That's all. And again, I think that, you know, Jack Kirby was a genius. I thought that he created a style. He had a style and a way of storytelling that was escapism, pure, simple escapism. You just looked at it and you were like, you know, whatever troubles you had in, in that moment in your day, whatever you sit there, you go, oh, my God. OK, new gods, apocalypse. It's just uh, your mind is just being you know, hit. And he wasn't the only one. There was a ton of others that did that same thing. And so that's when I look at my art and I want my art to be escapism. I am unapologetic about the fact that my style is a retro style. 
because I think that we do need something of that retro. You know, there's going to be tons of other people that can come along. Hell, hell, I would love to see Kajus and Cowboys evolve to a place where eventually, um, if Matt said, hey, Frank, you know, um, a variant cover or get somebody to come in and do a variant cover or someone wants to do a variant story where their style may be different than my own. I love that stuff. But I also think that as we're starting out, I, it should be a style that hopefully it's not, it's something where I can see children looking at and they can embrace it and go, okay, wow, and have that same magic I had when I looked at Jack Kirby or Herb Trempe or George Perez or all these other people. But then also it could evolve to a point of, say, if we wanted to go really hardcore and say, okay, we're going to do it like almost like, um, what is it? Um, they had uh, DC used to have vertical and they, they would do all uh, like they have their versions of Batman. Where it was just like hardcore stuff or whatever. Th- th- I would love to see that. I'm all for that. But I do believe that it's, it's nice to escape, to have a little bit of escapism. You know, IDW, they did some amazing Matt Frank. Um, he did amazing stuff on the IDW Godzilla. Even now, look what look what IDW is doing right now with the new Godzilla stuff. The style, the total style change, but they're doing more child, not childlike. Let me not say that childlike, but they're doing, it's not as softer. Hardcore. It's softer. That's a, that's a good term. Right? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to give a sense that I'm denigrating it. It's, it's, it's just, it, they're doing a much softer version because I can see where they're trying to get that audience. They're like, okay, we did this kind of Godzilla. Now you want to try to see if we can get children because the key, the key thing about it is that our industry, this, this genre and the industry only survives by generations. You know, we look at you. You're wearing Godzilla on your chest. Yep. <laughs> I got the Shogun Warriors here in behind. I got a I mean, Godzilla. Yeah, too. there you go. It's Godzilla. <laughs> this is a generational thing. Eventually, look, at I'm getting older. You guys are going to get older. Who's going to continue that? So they have to start thinking in terms of like, we have to somehow maintain these genres and see them evolve. Fine. I don't mind. But but different styles, different storytellings, different styles. But don't just lock on the one and say, OK, this has to be the definitive. You know, like I can't draw Godzilla unless it looks just like just just like I mean, literally, it has to Finn can't be out of place. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> then, you know, then there's no way that I would have been able to enjoy Herb Trimpey's Godzilla because Herb Trimpey's Godzilla in Marvel does not look like the Toho Godzilla. Right. We all know that. Well, they the call it the Barbera. Green. Yeah, Hanna-Barbera. The Hanna-Barbera Godzilla doesn't look like, you know, Toho. Godzuki doesn't exist. You know, so it's like we need to have these things. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, from the responses that we've seen, um, people looking at Codgers and Cowboys, the name alone has pulled them in. So that's a good start. We got got a cool name and a cool cover. We're 80 percent done. Yeah, no, is that it? percent, eighty percent. You still got to make a good comic first. Hey, I, hey, I'm all, I'm all, I'm a huge advocate for the writers. I feel like the writers, um, are they, they're the foundation. I told Matt that I said, Matt, you're the, you're the foundation. You're the, you know, you're guiding the ship, and I'm, I'm along there with you, brother. Because I, because also there's that whole thing where I've always seen, and you guys probably seen online too, the whole argument between artists and writers and what they bring to the thing. And it's like working in advertising, I learned about teamwork. I learned that, you know, I was making good money, but I I wasn't making money like the creative directors were, you know, or the copyright, you know, everyone, you know, made this certain amount of money, whatever, but they were all part of the team. Like when I eventually saw something I worked on, popped up on TV, I smiled. I'm like, I worked on that, man. I'd be like, I, I, I did that. I, I, I remember the storyboards. I remember the late night. No sleep. I worked on that. 
And I think that's the thing. We, we are all part of this thing. Instead of whether the writer does this or whatever and such and such, it's like we are part of that, you know. And I and hopefully we can get to that 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 point where people can start getting back to that. Instead of the fight, the the, the, the eternal fight, like this is what the artist brings and this is what the writer brings and the writer, you know, it's like ah. Uh, well, know. yeah, I mean, like so much. Like I'm I'm gonna get a little preachy here. I mean, so yeah. much of yeah. what uh, of our interactions as 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 people within a group is built on conflict. And I think it's actually gotten worse as of now with like, you know, that the advent of social media, I mean, oh. the, all, the, the, the almighty algorithm, yes. uh, you know, you know, Twitter and Facebook need, yes. they, they need clicks. They need people yes. like putting, you know, putting it inputting information in. How do you do that? conflict and like you know there's the nice conflict like you know the friendly rivalry between you know marvel or dc um and then you've got the nastier stuff which we've started to see but you know we're not going to talk about that um but oh god i'm sorry sorry here i'm hearing an echo um not me is it me no 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 i'm 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 hearing an echo I'm, i'm hearing my voice again sorry Oh. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, I'm not hearing anything. No. You sound great, Axel. I'm just going crazy. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the book. <laughs> hearing echoes. Character well. arc. Yeah, just, just chapter long, three, echoes. Yeah, just as long as it uh, sounds fine on my end, and I think it should be fine on the stream. Okay. Wise, so yeah. should be good. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're, we're all becoming, you know, servants to the mighty algorithm, but yeah. I think as we become aware of that, as we learn that, you know, learn how to process that and learn how to live with that. Like, I I, I do think that, you know, these interactions that uh, interactions can bring us a lot closer together. And like when I've been uh, creating, when I was writing, um, God, I, I don't remember if it was a lesson I picked up from because because like when i lived in portland i i live in portland and like i started taking like classes at the state university on comic book writing and like you know we would have like you know some professionals come in um like i got to meet greg rucka i got to uh, meet brian michael bendis wow um i i i actually took the class from uh um, Mr. Rucka's uh, wife, who is a fantastic lady and a fantastic writer in her own right. And they talked about like the relationship between the writer and the artist. And there have been, I cannot begin to describe just how many, how many times like I have given Frankie a script and I've gotten artwork back and it's been better. <laughs> like you know, Frankie like puts oh, his my own thumbnails. Little- my thumbnails are legendary. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's been like I I would like the 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 artwork uh, like like the, these stories that I I have written would not be half as good if it wasn't for Frankie's artwork. Oh come on, he's gonna give me blushes it's, now. Hey hey, uh, it is well deserved. Yeah, take yeah. the goddamn compliment. All right all right all right, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. I'm taking so you're it. kind of answering a. It's kind of crazy because like you're getting in my mind because I <laughs> I was kind of wondering like okay with you Matt being more of the writer, Frankie being more of the the visual artist. Do, do you, Matt, occasionally maybe like have some suggestions for Frankie? And Frankie, do you occasionally have some suggestions for Matt as far as your stories, as far as how you want something to appear or how you want something to go? 
Mm. I mean, go. Go. Uh, like th- th- there will be sometimes in a script where I will like add a note saying like I'm yeah. going to be very specific here. Yeah. Um, but I, I like every every writer has their own uh, style. Like th- I think the most famous example is Alan Moore. Like if you read an Alan Moore script, it is insane. Yeah. Um, he has like a level of detail that probably drove David Gibbons off the yeah. goddamn wall on Watchmen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. I, I make it a point not to do that um, because, like like I said, my philosophy and my way of, of, of doing things, like I want to give the artist a chance mm-hmm. to be creative on their own. Yep. Um, and I would also very much to like like to work with an artist on in, in, in the long term and like, you yep. know, not, you know, write a couple pages and then quit out of frustration. Well, um, nope. So there will be a couple of times where I will be specific, but, you know, if the artwork doesn't come out exactly the way I've imagined it, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will go back, script, look at the artwork and be like, does that match up? You yeah. know, no. Okay. We can change that around a little yeah. bit. And nine times out of 10, not, well, nine and a half times out of 10, it winds up better. So, you know. Well, well yeah, it, I was going to. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Are you good? Okay. No, I was yeah. gonna say like I, I literally, and I, and again, I, I feel like our relationship is almost similar to what Stanley and Jack Kirby had. Because there's times when you just written stuff, you just be like, okay. Because even like with Codgers and Cowboys, the book that we're gonna have up, he was just like monsters fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, whatever. And he had like the narration, but it was like monsters fighting and whatever. And so I was, you know, I felt the freedom of just laying out, doing the layout and stuff like that. Like in my head, I was like, okay, now I can, you know, I can think of how, how, what kind of camera moves or whatever I want to, you know, do here and there. But I still stayed in the, um, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the oh, so it's a constraint, not the constraint. I don't want to use that term, but in the form no, no, of what, I mean- what you're saying, of what you're saying. And yeah. stuff, and so I would just build off of that. But it was very like, very open and stuff. And then yeah, if you if there's something really specific that you want to see, I'll be like, okay, it's no big, it's no big deal to me. One of the things that I love working with Matthew is that I felt that there's a level of respect and a sense of my expertise. I think that that's the key thing. Like because I put some time. Like there's that thing where I was just listening to a YouTube channel and they were talking about the difference between pros and amateurs, and when I grew up and I was, you know, and going into the eighties and stuff, I always had the mentality. Like when I looked at a Marvel comic book, I understood that to get to point A to point, whatever Z, there was a ladder. I, I knew that instinctively. Like I was like, I, it wasn't like something where I was like, Oh yeah, I can draw good. And somehow my work is going to match that guy's work or, or whoever the artist that's working on there. I just knew that there was going to be a ladder. That was programmed in me. I don't know if that's a Generation X thing coming from the baby boomers or whatever, but I always knew that I had to climb a ladder. And so it's very odd to me, odd for me when I see people now, especially young artists that that are just starting out, and they it is almost a sense of, well, I drew this picture and I got these likes on it, and it's somehow now, why am I not getting to this whatever? You know, and it's kind of you know, I go, well, there's a, there's a lot that goes along with that. You know, it's not just affecting on my drawing, but it's also the fact of my ability to work with a client or work, work with someone, the ability to do deadlines, to be able to just communicate. You know, I, I don't consider myself a copy machine. Like if somebody just says, oh, just copy something. I consider myself a thinking. I'm a, 
you know, uh, I was going to say a living organism. <laughs> and, and the fact that, yeah, because there was many times when I worked in advertising where I would be sitting in a room and they'll be like, well, Frank, what do you think? And they, they, they liked that. They didn't just want some artists who just sat there and was like, okay, just tell me what to draw, boss, and that kind of thing. They was like, no, what do you, what do you think? And I'd be like, well, I, I think you maybe should change this. Maybe this should be a woman or whatever. And so, so it's like there's a, there's a bunch of other different things that go along with that package. And then, comes a, and then the drawing is added onto there. And so, you know, when, when Matt came, there was a sense of, a, you know, that he, he understood that. And so for me, that made me feel like, okay, I gotta, I'll step up. I gotta show this person who doesn't know me. Like when you hire somebody, I understand that fear with clients. You don't know who you're getting. There's a lot of um, people out there that have been burned by artists, and I feel for them. I truly do. There's a lot of artists out there that are taking people's hard-earned money, and then they're just running. And the thing is, is that it's up to me as an artist that's been out there is to um, reaffirm to them to say, look, there are solid artists out there and I'm one of them and I'm people like that. And that if you trust in hiring me, then I'm going to be giving you 200% back. Yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got burned by a couple of artists before I, yeah. I found Frankie. So yeah. I'm, I'm not naming names, but yeah, yeah that, that is absolutely a thing. It's like, you know, okay. I, my heart goes out for that. Cause it shouldn't, I, that shouldn't yeah. exist. That's that whole thing that goes back to someone who may be amateur minded and they're not professional. Because being a professional, one thing my teacher once told me, he said, your rep is everything. It is everything. If you do not have a good, solid rep, then what do you got? If people yeah. don't trust you, then what do you got? You know, I go, I go to a certain mechanic. I stick with my mechanic because I trust that they're going to do solid business. I mean, solid work on, my, on our vehicle. You know, I go to somebody because I trust them. But if you if you don't have that rep because you've obliterated because you're doing, you know, you're not finishing the job or you're, you know, the client says, well, you know, can you can you make an edit and you don't want to do the edit? I mean, come on. You know, there's times when I trust me, I've, I've gotten that sick and feel I'm at this point now in my career where I almost expect an edit. <laughs> it shocks me when someone says, no, no, if I'm like, hold on a second, I'm actually trying to convince them. I'm like, hold on a second, maybe I can just change that arm right there. <laughs> no, 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 Frank, it's fine. Take it easy, Frank. Hey, Jesus, we're going to pay you just to leave us alone. We don't want an edit. <laughs> that, you know, but, but it's like I, I'm already hardwired for that. So for you to not expect somebody to come along and say, hey, you know what, you know, I, I like it, but could you just maybe it's not fitting? Then you got a ways to go. You know, you got to you got to work yourself up to the point where, yes, that, you know, you're doing this work, you're being paid for it and you got to you got to do your deadlines. You got to do the edits and you got to learn to communicate with the person. You know, if you're going to be late on something humanly, I mean, humanly positive, like, like something happens. If you have to go to a hospital or someone's sick or whatever, then you go to him and say, excuse me, this is the situation. This, I can literally say that anytime that something's ever come up and, and, and I wasn't going to crush my deadline, I would immediately contact them. A person, I'd be like, "Well, hey, how you doing? It's the situation. Um, you know, I'm really sorry for us off, but this is what's going on. I'm just gonna let you know that once everything's I've gone through it, I'm gonna be on it. You know, that's business, and that's all part of it. And so, any any youngsters, I get youngsters, but they are <laughs> youngsters out there. I want you to understand that it's not just your skill of drawing. You got to bring a bunch, a couple other things to that that table too. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say the same thing applies as well. Like, well, because I'm not just the writer; I'm uh, 
producer of sorts as well. And the yeah, same thing yeah. goes for uh, the production side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was first starting out, I was first, uh, I, I, I witnessed the I'll pay you an exposure bullcrap. Yes. I will yeah. confess, I was guilty of that. Yeah. In the very, very beginning. Yeah. We all are. Uh, I, yeah, we are. Yeah, I do not happens. do that anymore. Yeah. I do that. Do not do that anymore. And if I can scream one piece of advice at anyone watching this, if you wish to be a creator, that's fine. But if you cannot draw, pay yes. your artist. Yes. Pay them on time. And if you cannot pay them immediately, let them know if they're good at what they do, they will be understanding. Yep. But you have to pay them. Do your research. They are giving you work. Do your research. Work, yes. Check to see if they're on like I have a LinkedIn page and whatever. See if other people I have tons of references and stuff. You gotta do some little bit of research. Just don't just hire somebody right out. Just be like, hey, just do a little this, this is why we have the internet. I always see people, I'm like, when I started out, I had to knock on doors. Have somebody slam the door. I have a big smile on my face. <laughs> and it's just like slam, you know, right in my face. It wasn't, you know, I had I I, I still have rejection letters from Marvel, DC, Valiant Comics, um, Mirage Studios. I um a couple from Marvel. I still keep them. I've had tons of rejection. So you, you know, you, you just get you get used to it. But the thing about it is that you you persevere. But now with the te- the, uh, the the technology. There shouldn't be anything hard, but you just looking and searching someone's thing and saying, okay, even if you have to reach out to somebody they may know, it's like, hey, I'm just checking just to see how this person is or whatever. So just like, you, you got to do that. You got to do the groundwork before you hire anyone. Anyway. Don't just put your money out there on somebody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so with the upcoming Kaijus and Cowboys uh, project that you guys are starting out here, can you tell us a little bit about the premise? Uh, is, is it a comic series or is, it, is this a graphic novel kind of you know, the story and sort of is this, like I said, a graphic novel or series? So the comic book that – so the Kickstarter, the, the specific Kickstarter that we are running on April – that's going to be starting on April 30th, uh, it is technically a one-shot comic. It is a one-shot comic that Frankie and I uh, worked on. I hammered out the script. I sent it to him. Uh, I paid it, paid, paid him. We have the artwork done. It is all done. Yeah. Um, all we have to do is hit print. Um, and the the premise of the comic is is just sort of an idea of like showing the reader what the world is, you know, who the main character is, you know, what goes on, what he does, how he does it, that sort of thing. Uh, the 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 bot with no name or the hunter, we call him. Both. We're still going back and forth on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he comes into a town that is run by robots that has been absolutely demolished by kaiju and it's the hunter's job to wander around this planet this alien uh okay take two there's an alien planet that uh humans are trying to make uh, habitable but instead of going down themselves they send armies of robots to do the work for them because it's science fiction why bother you know doing menial labor when you can have a robot doing it And so the robots are doing their job, but unfortunately, this planet is overrun by 
these giant kaiju monsters. So in response to that, the humans, the ship they're living on, creates these hunter robots that, and their job is to wander the planet, killing kaiju and protecting these robot towns from attack. So the main character, the hunter slash bot with no name, comes across one of these towns that's been demolished. Mm -hmm. He comes across the kaiju that did it, and he fights them. Yeah. Now, that's the one now, – now, that's the comic that we are producing for the Kickstarter. Exclu exclusive. Uh, yep. <clears throat> yeah, the Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah. Uh, after we hammered out the details for the Kickstarter and after we were, like, starting to get stuff ready, uh, Frankie uh, showed me a link to a publisher yeah. called Second Sight. And we noticed that they were accepting submissions for uh, science fiction, horror, fantasy, whatever. And so I thought, hey, what the heck? Uh, I'm a strapping young writer who's in the middle of his thousand rejections. Uh, let's give this a shot. Worst thing they can do is yeah. say no. The worst thing they can do is say no. So I thought, eh, we'll probably won't hear anything from them. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, what, two months later? A couple months yeah. later? It was crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, yeah, we, we, you know, 2020 happened. Don't need to go into a whole lot of detail about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but was it this year? It was like, was it January? I, <laughs> I feel like it yeah, was January exactly. because what yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah. I was on LinkedIn. I was, you know, yeah. I'm on LinkedIn and stuff. And then I happened to see one of the guys who works for it. You know, he was on there and stuff. And I said, oh, I said, congratulations on your, your you know, your new comic. Because they had another series going on. I said, oh, congratulations and whatever. And I said, by the way, <clears throat> I just mentioned that. I said, yeah, by the way, I said, I, I don't, I, I forgot how I worded, but I just said, well, by the way, hopefully you get a chance to see Codgers and Cowboys. Just like that. And then I just left it. That guy reached out to me. He probably messaged me. He said, hold on a second. What are you talking about? And I said, yeah, I said, we, we sent the book and stuff like that. And he said, what? He said, hold on a second. I'll, I'll handle this. And then I was like, oh, wow. And I even wrote back to him. I said, hey, I said, I wasn't trying to come on here to kind of call you out or anything like that. As such, I just I just put it out there. I said, you know, you don't have to go. And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. And next thing I know, bingo, bingo. We, we got into a private uh, chat, everybody with the, the publisher and everything. And he said, all right, we love it. We, we will take it. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. And that's that's one of those weird things that just happens. And it's like, wow. OK. Yeah, we we are living to, to anyone who has uh, comic book aspirations. We are living proof that it is possible. Yeah, you just gotta you know, you you make your own luck, and if you play the law, yep. like I, I used to have this crummy little job uh, that was a commission only sales job. Um, I didn't do very well at it, but I learned a lot about it. Mm -hmm. and I learned a lot from it. And like one of the rules they ingrained in me was play the law of averages. Like the oh. more people you talk to, the more yes. doors you knock on, uh, the better your chances will be. Yep. Um, I, 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 it, my chances weren't good enough to make a living off of it, but yep. that's something I internalized. So like, uh, you know, this was not the first publisher we had submitted to. This was not the first rejection we had gotten. Um, this wasn't the first series I had submitted. There, there have been others. Sorry, Frankie. Yes. There, no, there no. have been other people. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so you know, well, we did yeah, it. it reminds me of what one of my mentors, who was a teacher as well, that I had, and he once told me, he said, Frank, he said the worst thing someone could tell you is no, but you'll never yeah. know that unless you ask. 
And I was like, wow. And then that, I remember that from that point, I just always had that thing where I'll knock on that door. I'll go up to you. The worst thing is like, what? What are you going to say? Just say no. Okay, fine. Say no. And I walk away. But he was like, he said, the thing about it is that he said, he said, one, he said, two doors can get closed in your face, but five more can open. You just have to believe it. You got to be like, yep. Okay. Because the thing about it, I think sometimes people get caught up in that whole, like, we're still in a village. When we're not in a village, this is global. <laughs> this is global. And trust me, out of all the billions of people on earth, there's going to be somebody out there that likes what you got. It has to be. It just has yeah. to be. I mean, if you're that bad, then I don't know what to tell you. You may be, you may have to try to do something else different. But I mean, really, you just got to go out there and you just got to be like, hey, how you doing? And all I did on that day was just me. I saw that they posted something and I just responded to it. And I started off. And again, my approach has always been I had to learn how to when you approach something, because I see a lot of youngsters and they'll, they'll get in there and they'll just be like, well, you know, this is my greatest thing. This is my greatest art. You need to have this story or this character is the greatest thing. And they come with this big bravado. And, let's, and it's like, really? I mean, what are you comparing it to? Are you comparing it to Godzilla? To something that's already a massive IP to Star Wars? Don't, don't do that. Be a little humble. You know, at least coming in from a standpoint saying, hey, look, first off, whatever they're putting out, you say, hey, well, wow, that looks really cool. Thank you very much. And such, such. Oh, and by the way, this is what I have. And that's it. It's almost like I, try, I always try to imagine that um, if I'm talking to someone online, I try to imagine like if I was at their front door. Not in a creepy way, but it's just like if I'm knocking on the door like a salesman. And he goes, how you doing? You know, and you say, hey, everything's doing good and such and such. And then you say, well, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know this is what I have. Now they have a choice to, to say, you know what? I Thank you. I'm, I'm glad for hearing this. And then they, they close the door. That's fine. You go on to the next door. But at least you know that you reached out. You, 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 you've given them courtesy yeah. and respect. And then you never know. They may look at that and go, wow, that person was a really, you know, I like that. Okay, here, let me take your card at least. I There's many times that when I used to do a lot of shows, I would do that. I remember once I had a woman come up to me at a show. And I was, well, at the time, my, she's not my wife, Jess, but we had the show and this woman railed on me. I went up to her, I said, hey, how you doing? All I said was, hey, how you doing? How you doing? She just come in, the con had just opened. I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, why? She, she immediately was like, well, what do you want me to do? Buy something of yours? <laughs> and I said, huh? And then Jess was like, she was afraid, you know, she was all like, you know, kind of protected. I said, no, no, I said, and I, I looked at the lady and I walked through, I walked from behind my table, walked to her and I said, I said, well, first I said, please, I put, please. I said, I, hopefully I have not offended you. That, that was not my, my intention. I said, the show starting and stuff like that, you happen to be looking over and I just want to just greet you. I said, even if you don't even want to buy anything from me, that's okay. There's a lot of different artists here, by all means. I want you to be able to enjoy the moment that you're having, the experience that you're having today. You know, it, it, you know, if you happen to come around again, that's good. I'll still be smiling. And I said, and I hope you have a great time at the show. And she, she looked at me. She said, OK, all right. And she just walked away. Before the end of the day, she bought some stuff for me. That's a true story. That's what you do, man. Just treat people. We're human beings. You know, don't come at it where like you're going to get angry at somebody because first they don't, you, you know, you're like, oh, they don't like something of yours or whatever. Fine. Fine. There's probably some people that go look at Kaju and Cowboy, Cowboys and be like, I don't know, whatever. And so he's like, okay, fine. That's okay. That's not going to stop us from not putting out what we, we feel is a really good kind of story and whatever, you know. And we appreciate the fact that the people that give us um, some some um, criticism and stuff like that. I don't mind that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're not we're not trying to compare ourselves to Godzilla. 
a Gamera, a King Kong. They already exist. Yeah. That'd be already- nice, <laughs> I mean, well, it was, you know, if, yeah. if, if, if it's said in the context of someone genuinely like looking at it in the context of, of what those IPs are, then I'll take that. I'll go, yeah, we are part of that. You know, as soon yeah. as Cadges yeah. and Cowboys comes out, we're part of that fabric of this genre. And I'll accept that, you know. You know, there's a lot of other people that are putting out a lot of different stuff, you know, and different things, and they're just adding to the the, the fabric of it, you know. So yeah, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to see Godzilla and that stuff vanish, but I also, you know, I don't see them go away. I want to also see some of the new stuff that comes up, like um, what was it one? I don't know if you guys got a chance to see. Was it Monster Hunter? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I personally, I never followed the game. Well, Neither I, have I. I. No, but, but I enjoyed I the movie. Yeah, I played you the played. demo of the. Most recent one, it was okay, but okay. Uh, I, I enjoyed I've, the movie. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, all right, what? Well, to me, I looked at the. For me, when people ask me about these movies, like Godzilla, I see some of the arguments between Godzilla, or whatever. I, I honestly tell people, I say, I'm glad they made it. Just like Godzilla Singular Point. Yeah, I know, man. I'm sorry, but it's, it's Godzilla Singular Point on 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 Netflix. People were like, oh my god, is and I'm like, I'm glad they made it. What, you don't yeah. want them to not make it? <laughs> what do you want? You know, do you want Hollywood to hate the kaiju genre? You know, not everything's going to be solid, whatever, whatever in your mind a gold is. Like, I love the show era, but I'm not going to hate on the uh, Millennium stuff. And, you know, and I, I... And the same thing goes to the, uh, was it yeah. the, Earl, the anime trilogy that Netflix brought out a few years ago? I mean... Ken and I really love the story and yeah. the whole world that was yeah. built around that. And some people, Could you, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? I would love that. I would love to see Codgers and Cowboys be done to that level where someone can see something and go, "Okay, we could just see a different version or something." Cool. Have fun. Have at it. Have some fun yeah. with it and stuff. We have the original. We can still do the original, you know, whatever. Right. Let people play. Yeah. I love, I personally, as much as I love the Showa era stuff of Godzilla, but I, I have to admit, I love the design of, of G-14. Mm-hmm. I just love it. I have the figure right here, man. I love oh, it out of the Godzilla stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I haven't told many people, but I remember watching Shane Godzilla once. Um, You know, it wasn't one that I, ru- I rushed back to. But maybe I might do a I may do another watching of it. Um, I do have the figure. Um, yeah, so so do and, I. And, and so you know, but I'm not going to throw shade on it. I, I'm glad that they did what they did because again, I I feel like everyone has a different sort of take and feel on the character, you know. And I think that is I think that an IP like Godzilla and all those wonderful characters. They, they they it's kind of fun to play with them. I would love to see Toho dig a little deeper with other characters. Like I would love to see Daimajin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, Daimajin, I, I don't know, oh, Matt, man, Daimajin is amazing. He's a stone god, man. He's a stone god, and Lily does something like he, if he's angry, he does a swatch of his face, and he's just, oh. Yeah, we just oh. recently uh, commented on those movies. Stuff like that. Oh, it's I, like I, that, that character. I, I, I have a figure that's still in the, the, the thing. I haven't even taken him out. Oh, nice. I love that character. And surprised, I think I've only done one illustration with him. It was a commission. But he's one of my favorite characters as just a god. Try to imagine a god. Like, how would they do it now? Well, they did. You know, in my mind, Katakawa, they did the TV series. Yeah. And I saw that I, and, I, and I, I, I cringed a little. <laughs> 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 I, did, I did a little bit. I, again, I'm not going to throw shade, but I just was like, 
you know, you get that little like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, you did it. Okay, good. You got out the system. But I would love to see um, Toho get into the more horror aspect. Like Dimension would be really, if dark, like a, just a god that comes and And if they created a nemesis for him. Maybe do you know, sort of like the Jaws or Aliens formula like yeah. Gareth Edwards did with Godzilla. Well, well, the question is, is there, a, is there something that can battle him? Is there some another something else that can – they've never brought up that, con, you know, that concept. Some, well, I mean, some other deity. Yeah. Like, yeah, another deity. Yeah. Well, the, 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 there is the, the there is Shin Godzilla. There's the the uh, the original one. Like the like the only like I I, I am I am a I am a mere mortal standing in the presence of intellectual kaiju. Uh, um, <laughs> but <you're> like, okay. <laughs> I remember I, I remember Shin Godzilla and like the, the one of the scientists creates a device that can beat him. But he refuses because it is a device of such destructive power that, like, he's not, like the scientist is not going to unleash that upon the world. Like, he's talking he, about Sirizawa? Like, Are you talking about the original Godzilla? The, the very, the, yeah, the very, the very, destroyer. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the original. See, see, I, the, yeah, yeah Shin, Shin, Shin Godzilla came out like a few years ago, yeah, about right? yeah, four ish years and, and ago. My, my major issue with Shin, see, see what I mean. See, one of my problems with I, I personally feel with the newer Godzilla stuff that came out is and I understand is like I, I tend to love the early Godzilla because I don't like a lot of power. You know, I'm like a character like Wolverine. You take Wolverine. He was this little dude, scrappy healing factor, uh, attitude and claws. And that was it. That's the Wolverine I remembered as a kid. And I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. And he just relies on that. Then over the years, they've done all this other stuff to him. And it's like, okay, all right. So with Godzilla, I love the fact that he had his the G cells. I love the fact that he had his fire. But he also had his, you know, he fought. You know, he had his the heart and he was fighting and stuff. And he, those early show, show of movies, he would get his butt kicked. I remember once when he's fighting Terror Mecha. I don't know if it's Terror Mecha Godzilla, where he gets shot in the neck and it's like in the unedited versions. Oh, yeah. He's bleeding out of his neck. He's like, yeah. you see blood coming out? And I was like, ooh. As a kid, I was like, ooh, I saw something. And it's like that kind of stuff. I like my I like my heroes who aren't that powerful because now I can root for you because then when they defeat the enemy, you know if they've gone through everything. Like Gamera. Gamera by far is my my hero because he's like, I always considered Godzilla being more of a samurai. Well, Gamera was more of a Ronin. You know, Gamera would go out there and he's just fighting and he's getting pieces cut off him and he's just like, ah! And you hear his whining. He's like, ah! And he's like, oh, dude. And he just keeps fighting. And I love that. When you start having a character shooting beams out of his tail, like Shin Godzilla, it lost me. Because there's that one scene where he's just walking this and he's barely, he's like a mountain and he just shoots these, ma- like, not even just one, but millions of beams out of his back. I'm like, what's the fun in that? That's right. so much power. But then also I had to catch myself and I said, Frank, you're a kid of the 80s. You're a kid of the 70s. And these, 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 this is for a different time. So you have to be mindful of that and respect that. And that's what I do. I cut back and I go, this is for a different time. I had my moment and I still can. If I want to watch some of the old school, I just cut it on and watch it and have my moment and whatever. But this is the new time. I do, I do feel like the new Godzilla from 2014 um, has a lot of what I love about the Showa era. And even this last movie, like it took me a minute because what happened was me and Jess decided to watch Godzilla King of the Monsters before we watched 
Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. And at first it took me by surprise because I was like, you know, you watch King of the you watch um King of the Monsters and you go, okay, you see the technology and you go, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh that's oh, okay, cool. That feels and then they go to Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, and they're flying through the world. Yep. <laughs> it just it was a massive shift of technology. And it took me a minute while I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're doing that really craziness of the Showa era where aliens can pop up and, you know, these guys can have a giant mecha Godzilla that you sit there and you can't, you can't wrap your brain around a fact. Like, you can't be logical with it. You just got to be like, nope, it exists. He's able to blast a hole through the, into the center of the earth. You know, they're able to fax a rock. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? What did you say? They, they can fax a rock. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. You, you, and, and, and it took me a minute to because I had to recalibrate my brain to accept that. And I said, dude, they were doing that back in the 70s. You know, when they were showing those movies, they, I mean, Smog Monster, Hedorah, Godzilla flew on his tail. Do people remember that? <laughs> With the, the drop kick? Oh, you know what I mean? He did all kind of crazy stuff. So I'm like, I see what you're doing. If Legendary continues this path, okay. I, the kids today, um, many of them, if they haven't, and I think that's another thing that's, that um, is kind of sad because I think a lot of uh, uh, supposed G fans, uh, they don't tend to watch the early stuff. <laughs> You know, like, like again, Matthew, you said earlier, like, you appreciate, you love the golden age of heroes. I love the golden age. I love the silver age. I, I, I chose to read a lot of that older stuff to the point when it got up to the 80s and then into the, some of the 90s. Because I was like, you know, I want to see this stuff. I don't know if a lot of the fans are really embracing or even taking the time to really look at that old school stuff so that they can say, okay, all right, this is where it came from. Here's the root of the tree. Let me appreciate the root of the tree. And then I can now look at the stuff that I like today and maybe get a, a better understanding of where it came from. I'm just seeing people who are like, okay, well, I started off with Shin Godzilla. <laughs> and that's it. That's the definitive Godzilla universe. Shin Godzilla and that's it. Anything else before that? I don't know, you know, whatever. And that's why I worry because I think there's a lot of rich uh, stuff there if you want to look for it and, and appreciate it. Oh yeah. Kind of like what you're saying there, Frankie. And Mm -hmm. I've been a big proponent on, on our podcast kind of, you know, I'm not a fan of the Shin Godzilla movie myself, but I've always, I've always said on here, I really do not like the movie, but I give them an A for effort. It's something new. There you go. And one of the things that I, and I always compare it to, to comic book superheroes. Yep. In order for your characters to continue to be relevant over mm-hmm. years, decades, you need to be dabbling into something new. Yes. Seeing what works, what captures, you know, consumers mm-hmm. and go with it. Because, yeah. you know, when you like the golden age of superheroes, we're talking about how kind of funny and wacky yeah. and weird they were back in the day. Then you get into the eighties, dark Knight returns, very yep. dark, more yep. serious. And yep. and we see that too with, within the Kaiju, you know, you look at the gamma, the early gamma films, oh. very kid friendly, yep. violent, but kid friendly for the most part. Yep. And then you get the Heisei era. Oh. You know? And that was amazing. I, that was the, that was the, fr- when I saw those movies, it was the first time, where it dawned on me. And I love the, the concept that Gamera was biomechanical. I never thought of that as a kid when I watched the Gamera movies. I never thought of them being biomechanical, but that was a great concept. And then what made it even more special was when Cisco and Ebert, you know, were talking about Gamera and them, and they really appreciated the movie. 
they they gave a definitive. They weren't sitting there going, oh, well, this sucks and whatever. They were just like, this 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 is amazing. This movie, people should go see this movie because of what it is, the history of it. They went through this whole big lengthy thing about it. And I was like, oh, dude, thank you so much. But it was like that that was a that's a great great example of something that that evolved. And I would love that it, right now would really be the nice cherry on the top if somebody can pick up Gamera. <laughs> Gamera, Gamera needs. Uh, just a nice little reboot. It would be really cool. They tried a few oh. years ago, but you never heard about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, that, that short, that short little video, right? You're yeah. talking about, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looked cool. It looked cool, but you know. And so, what with kaiju's and cowboys, like with your Kickstarter, you're talking about the artwork's done, the story by and large is done as well. Is the funding going towards the the printing of of the story? Yes. Yeah, it, it's okay. going towards uh, printing, uh, shipping. Uh, distribution and anything else we make off that is going to go towards uh, production of yeah. uh, more issues with right second back to the production. Yeah, I mean, the, the yeah, cool- uh, we got yep. twelve issues. Yeah, twelve issues. Twelve issues coming from second side. That that would book down. So I'm going to be a busy a busy artist. And uh, <laughs> a great thing about the the Kickstarter is the rewards. We we're going to have a lot of original Frankie B art. Go ahead, explain them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to have sketch cards, and I believe we're going to have some commissions too on there as well so i mean and then also matt i think you're getting in there too you're going to do some stories yeah um we we have uh so we have like um how how, how big are the sketch card drawings sketch cards are roughly um god i got some right here hold on a second this would be a sketch card this is actually for another well I'll, i'll put a blank one up but this is like when i did some stuff for botcon sketch cards are roughly two by five by three by five okay. and you'll get a blank side and we actually have actually you know what better yet give me a second yeah so uh while he's getting his stuff off i'll fill the dead air um this the sketch cards uh we have uh commissioned sketch card drawings and then uh reward tier above that is a sketch card drawing plus a thousand right. word story written by me about the uh, character on the sketch card. So, like, you know, you can uh, make yourself a robot hunter and we can craft a little story based yep. around that. So, there you, go. Okay. you know, make it make your own little thing. And it's it's not that expensive. Yeah, it's, it's not that expensive at all. Like, uh, so, yeah. You know, that's that's something. And then we have original page art as well. Oh, yeah. Um, That's right. From from that issue right there. Yeah. Yeah. From from that issue. So, you know, you get you get that. And I think the highest rewards here we have is you get to have the original cover. Oh, Oh, wow. So So that cover that you're seeing right there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, with the sketch cards, this is this is going to be a nice, thick sketch card right here. We got Mm -hmm. I'll write my name right in there. And then you got a little logo right there. And then the rest of this, I'll just draw it. And then and if you guys have seen my work online, I've done sketch card artwork for Upper Deck and for on the Marvel brand, Voltron card set and stuff like that. So you're not going to get something like a just a rough little like, you know, little sketch and stuff and say, here you go. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for uh, contributing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm going I'm to show some love, you know, because it, that's the whole point. Like if you're you're going to take the time to look at our campaign and then contribute to it, then I feel like you should be getting some something pretty nice. So nice original artwork. So you, and then I guess, again, personal commissions as well as original artwork from the comic book. I mean, yeah. I don't, and, I don't, um, yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, the lower tier rewards, uh, we, we haven't skipped on those either. Um, we've got the physical copy of the comic book, obviously. Uh, we've got um, uh, digital wallpaper that uh, yep. makes some of the concept art. Uh, so you get that. Uh, and we have a patch. We're, we're working on a, a yes. patch. We're yeah, also working that, yeah. on stickers. <clears throat> yeah. So the sort of the 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 ideal because I, I think kickstarter said like the ideal donation is like 25 bucks or something like that yeah um I don't, I don't know they have data for that but yeah uh 25 bucks it's the comic the patch the stickers and yeah. the digital wallpaper so so i mean know, i like to think that's good value for my yeah opinion. i think that's good value yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well it's so funny because i always hear people like i go you know i'm like the value of original artwork like, I remember the saddest moment for me, like, again, when uh, Matthew was talking about the, those dark times, you know, I was married before. This is like my second marriage. And my 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 down period was that, that first marriage. And I owned like 40 pages from the original Shogun Warriors. Original pages signed by Herb Trimpey. And I had to sell them because I was I had a home. I was losing my home and everything. That was my dark time. Things just got like I just wasn't I wasn't in a good place. And so I had to sell off certain things and whatever. And so when you get original artwork, my point is, is that when you get original art, there is a value to it. You just don't know, you know, like, again, Herb Trimpey's gone. You know, I got to see him at one of his like there's a picture I have with him where I was presenting him with a piece, an homage piece. And then that next year he was gone. You know, I'm like, if you are and I'm talking to the hardcore collectors. Like I'm always fascinated when I see people that collect like the, the Godzilla's and stuff like the figures. I'm like, don't you ever want to have like original artwork too? You know, I, I own some Matt Frank artwork, you know, and other people like that. So it's like that in itself is value. Cause you just don't know. You don't know where that person is going to be. What would happen if, you know, this blows up or whatever, who knows? Then you're going to be sitting there going, Oh man, I had the chance. <laughs> Now I can't buy it because it's like 20 grand. <laughs> you don't want to be at that point. You don't want to be a procrastinate yourself out of something where you could have got like less and then be like, oh, man, it's happened. It's happened. I've seen a lot of um, there's oh, yeah. one uh, comic book artist from Marvel where he had wrote on uh, Twitter and he was like, yeah, he said, I, he's like, I happen to look at this recent auction. He said, I sold this piece to this guy at a con years ago for like, I don't know, I think it was less than a thousand. He ended up seeing it now. It's sold for 50 grand. Now he didn't own it. He didn't get none of that. Right. But that's crazy, isn't it? It's just crazy. It was like a Spider-Man. It was a cover for like a Spider-Man book. And he was at a con years ago and he just was like, mm, yeah, there you go and sold it. And, you know, it was good for whatever that point is. He got it for that, that money. It, you know, he was comfortable in selling it for that. But imagine that the value shot up to the point where it was like 50 grand. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think I remember there was a recent comic book that just uh, sold for, I think, around a little over $6 million or something. I think it was a Silver Age comic book. Yeah. Forget what it was. But, There's yeah. always going to be a value with the collector's market. You know, guys, toys. I mean, what, what's what's your most valuable figure or toy that you guys have? Uh, for me, it's wow. the, <laughs> it's this uh, red translucent translucent uh, Shin Godzilla that I have. Ooh, over okay. Here. He's probably about gosh, Whoa. maybe that tall and that long, including the okay. tail. <laughs> All right. And then along with that is the uh, Crystal Godzilla, which is a limited thousand of them. Whoa. Okay. All right. 
So that's probably going to be worth something someday. All right. All right, Kent. What do you got, Kent? Uh, you know, are you talking about like value in terms of, of money or just like nostalgia? Or, you know, I would probably say the value of what you think money wise. That would be like um, I got rid of a ton of my Bandai stuff years ago. Right Whoa. after I got engaged because I needed oh, money. Yeah. I would it's say it's that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, would say, I you know, at, for what what I got right now, it's probably this um, Marmot 1998 Godzilla. Ooh, uh, I would okay. say if I were to sell my collection right now, <laughs> that one I might end up getting the most money for if I were to do that. Yeah, I think the only thing I – I have so many various ones, but I end up getting the Bullmark Mecha Godzilla. Okay, yeah. And I, and I, But I need his hands. I've been looking to try to find the hands. I tried to get – Another figure that was, and, and it didn't cost that much, but for me, the values of it, I know you need a hand. What about you? What about you, Matt? What do you, would you have any comics? You must have. Well, uh, hmm. Most valuable comic. I think, I believe I have somewhere buried here a copy of the first appearance of Hela in Thor. Ooh. That was a Christmas gift. Whoa. And I think I accidentally ripped the cover a little bit so you know but you know it's yeah yeah at that point you, you just you, go yeah okay, so you know how like the the comic book comes in um a mylar bag with the tape yeah. on the end yeah. the tape got caught on the cover oh <sighs> that's painful yeah. but it's it's buried here somewhere because i wanted to i wanted to save it from uv light yeah um but as someone who has moved around probably more than he should have, and as someone who is, I have to be a little quiet here because my roommates might be listening, sure, uh, sure. lives in a kind of small room. Yeah. I have not really adopted the collection gotcha. thing. But, um, yeah, I'd have to say that's probably my most yeah. valuable comic at the moment. Yeah, my, um, my closet's like packed. I, I have gifts from family members and, and stuff like that. Like I have, I know I have like a Gamera set that's just still in a box. Like I can't even take out half of all my mm. figures and stuff. I and I chill down. I mean, I before I used to be like hardcore Marvel superheroes. I had like the whole like you mentioned Bruce Tim with you know yeah. the, the Batman, Superman. I had those Justice League when he did that. I had all of those at one point, and then I just when I went through that and again, you talk about those moments in time when I went through that that moment. I just was like I had to get rid of tons of stuff. I just was like, I had to, it was almost a cleansing. Like, I just was like, I'm just done. I just got to get rid of stuff. In my mind, I, I kicked myself for not holding on to a few of those pages, you know, just to hold on just for special kind of thing. But, you know, when you're in that state in mind, you're just not, you're not really thinking. So, yeah, but it, it, it always yeah. sucks when you have to let go of something you love. Oh, yeah. And it always yeah. sucks when, like, you know, you get turned down or rejected, but it does yeah. get better. It does get better. Uh, it's true. It's it, true. Eventually. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not, it, it's not like it's going to be like, you know, oh, you know, someday, you know, you just snap your fingers and poof, it's all better. It requires work. Yes, it does. But like, it, you know, sooner or later, someone will be willing to give you a chance. Sooner yep. or later, like, you know, you'll, you know, you'll find the hands. Sooner or later, you'll. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, find your stuff and enjoy. Oh, someone yeah. will be blacked out, but you know, weird. Well, well, you know, it yeah. t- it taught me like once I started giving a lot of my stuff away, that I started just focusing like on the figures that I really enjoy. I can appreciate them more. 
Because there was a point where I think that I was. I was almost on the verge of hoarding. Mm-hmm. I didn't know why I was yeah, getting there's stuff. There's that too. Yeah, you start, you just start getting yeah. figures. You just start getting stuff like movies. And I was all over the place. And I love the original artwork. I just, just buying stuff. And then I'm just sitting there looking at, that, looking at them going, why did I get that? Mm-hmm. That's the worst I'm, feeling. You go. Yeah, sometimes I'm you like that, that way too. And yeah. I, I have a box at home where my parents live. And was mm-hmm. it about a couple of years ago, I was... Wanting to, I usually go home during Thanksgiving weekend. I was planning on getting that big box full of Godzilla figures. Yeah. Until the, like, we had a winter storm and then all of a sudden the pandemic hits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I haven't been back since to grab any of those to sell out. But yeah, I can feel both of you sort of hard to let go some of the things. But also at the same time, I've, over the years, I tried to really cut down on things and just try to, you know, what are the specific things that I like? And also, I don't have a whole lot of room in my place, so. Well, yeah. And One now, of my yeah. secrets yeah. is have kids. Because yeah, what I ended up doing <laughs> okay. with some of my stuff over the last five, six years is yeah. like, you know, I, I kind of don't want this anymore. But there's still a little, son- hey, son, here you go. Oh, that's cool. And I can still play with it. Or something. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go. not looking. Well, then I had the this uh foot tall 2014 Godzilla figure that I've had that I bought from G Fest several years ago. Yeah. And I that was one of the things I decided I'm probably just gonna get rid of it so I can cut, try to clear up some of the stuff because yeah. uh, both Ken and I are also advocates of uh Masters yeah. of the Universe He Man and stuff. So oh, you must be happy stuff. <laughs> you must be so happy there's start it's such a resurgence of that stuff. Oh, oh yeah definitely Whew. looks amazing. So, uh so I Went over to Kent's place, I think, a few or so years ago. And thought about just get rid of it over at Goodwill. And yeah. Kent's like, why don't you just give it to Lincoln? <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. Not? That's kind of cool. I and mean, keep that keep that whole, like, the generational thing going with these. Because also, you got to admit, the toys back then, man, the figures and stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Trim masters. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, I still tell people that I had, I actually owned the, um, remember the, well, the Shogun Warriors, but the Shogun Warrior Godzilla. Yeah. I tell people yeah. that story, like as a kid, I didn't appreciate it. What I did was, I remember playing with it outside and I, and I looked at it and he had the little tongue. You push the button, and his tongue oh, come out. Yeah. And I remember looking at it and I was like, this isn't a real Godzilla. <laughs> so I grabbed the lighter. This is how sick I was. I grabbed the lighter and I lit it. And then I started oh. pushing the button and it burned it. Yeah, it burned it, destroyed it. And I was like, ah, I cry. My mom was like, see, yeah, I had him. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Shogun Warriors, I noticed that on uh, Facebook the other day that they're making figures of oh, Masters of the Universe and everything. I thought it's that. like that's I sort that. of 300 back bucks. To those days. Yeah. 300 bucks, dude. Mm-hmm. I, that's the thing that's killing me with some of these, these manufacturers and what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, they look cool, but. Man, you're talking three hundred, five hundred dollars. Mm. I mean, and up. I mean, three hundred up. Let me just say that three hundred up of some of these figures, and and all I can do is I just look at it. I call it figure porn. I just look at it and just go, ah, oh, and I go, well, click the click, you know, click right off of it. Wallet's closed. <laughs> you just gotta look at it, and just be like, okay, and then just have your moment and go. Like when I saw that Optimus Prime, I showed it to Jess, and she was like, oh, that's so cool. We literally watched it on the TV through YouTube, and I was like. Oh man, I've always dreamt of that. 
always like him just talking and he moves <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, nope, that price tag is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some of the like, stat- Godzilla statues yeah. that we've recently yep. seen. It's like, it's just nice to have, but just like, take that. You'll be sitting on a shelf collecting dust by and large because yep. you're yeah, not going to want to touch it for how much you spent for it. <laughs> I, well, well, no, I won't. Well, actually, I'll admit, I did get the Funko figures. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Those aren't too bad, though. You know, you're talking usually bad. like eleven, twelve dollars. I didn't get the Mecha Godzilla one. I I didn't like the Funko Mecha Godzilla. I'm, this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they do a much better, like Bandai or something, does a more like more sculpted figure. I I, I kept looking or at the Playmate SH Monster Arts uh, version. Yeah, something a little bit more detailed for me. The Playmate one just doesn't. It, I kept looking at it, going, it just doesn't do it for me. I can't. I'm not one of those fan, like that's some people that just be like, okay, I just got to get it to get it. I'm just like, nope, it's got to be, you know. And then I got to see what the price tag is, and maybe I I put it as a gift or something, like you know, for Christmas. <laughs> 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 but Santa's wish list. Yeah, please. Like, hey, this I, would be really cool. I hope Santa's listening. Mecha Godzilla is my favorite. Like when I think of the the merging of robot and and um, kaiju. That's Mecha, the Terra Mecha Godzilla. I have a few of those figures. I just love the aesthetic of Mecha Godzilla. I love the story. Oh, and speaking of uh, Mecha Godzilla, out of all the variants that you've seen, which one do you personally like the best? Oh, you know which one. You know which one I'm going to say. <laughs> you already know it already. It's going to be the show ever. Yeah, the show era one by far to me. Now I, I get why the other ones exist, but the show era version of Mecha Godzilla is like a Terminator. He technically was a Terminator. I almost want to say that. I don't know if Jim Cameron, James Cameron, uh, was it Jim? Yeah, he did Terminator. Um, <laughs> James Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. James Cameron. Did he watch that and said, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to have a cyborg underneath the skin of a monster. I don't know. I'm just saying. But- <laughs> I can actually answer that question. Okay. Um, so uh, th- there was actually something of a uh, – controversy with the Terminator movies because the late, great Harlan Ellison uh, was a uh, film critic at the time. And Mm -hmm. he had done uh, some work for a Twilight Zone adjacent show called The Outer Limits. All right. Yes. And one of of his um, stories was about a man who travels back in time to save the future. And it's revealed that he's a robot. Oh, okay. which one? Is, dude, yes. you, you remember the name? Oh, God. Uh, oh, I, mean, I just watched The Outer Limits not that long ago. Hold really? on here. All right. yeah. Dude, I'm like, I love The Outer Limits. Outer Limits, Harlan Ellison. All right. And, uh, so, Maybe I'll just do that. Yeah. So the, 80s roll, the 80s roll around. Soldier? Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, okay. Soldier. So the 80s roll around, and uh, Harlan says, hey, what about this new film, The Terminator? I want to go see it. And then a friend of his says, you don't want to go see it. And so uh, Harlan being the uh, kind-hearted and gentle Mm. human being that he was known for being said, we're going, uh, saw it, and it was like, okay, I'm going to sue someone. Wow. Um, And he did. Uh, Oh, wow. Well, I, I think he did. Or like, like he, like he made a stink, and yeah. that is why, uh, to this day, if you watch the end credits of the Terminator movie, it says uh, based off the concept by Harlan Ellison. Oh wow! Okay. Oh wow! So I didn't know that. Thank he, you. That's, he got his credit. Good. Good. He got his credit. 
That's a shame. That's yeah. a, I, I almost feel like... I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. If you do see something that inspires you, then you should at least say, be like, hey, look, I, this inspired me enough to, to whatever follow. But... Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, like... That's the whole Jack Kirby thing. That takes in the whole or, realm of that kind of... Or that. Ooh, the name yeah. of uh, one of the co-creators of Batman who... Uh, oh, yeah. That dude. His family... Ooh, I, uh, Bill I, Finger. Bill yeah. Finger. Yeah, yep. I watched the uh, documentary of that yep. uh, a couple of years it's messed ago. Up. That, yeah, it's just the dumb. It's like, dude, you're making you're making money, right? Mm-hmm. You mean you can't share some of that pie? Just you know, do you got to be that greedy that you're gonna have the whole pie? You can't even give like just a nice, yeah. healthy yeah. little slice just to be like, okay, this guy did this. He's just slice. And you've been take care of him, you know, in that degree. Like with, with Jack Kirby, I was like, you, this guy, this man was creating. He was a creating machine. That's all he well, cared he just about. He just, he just wanted to create stuff. And you literally had this machine working there. And all he asked was, was you know, payment and to be recognized. Mm. And just throw him enough payment so he could take care of his family. He's, he's not just working just to work. He has a family. He's trying to take it. You mean you couldn't just do that? And, and then in the rest of history, you'd be seen as something amazing. Right. But no, we're going to jerk him around. <sighs> The mindset of that kind of, I don't understand that level of mindset. I just don't. Especially when you're talking yeah. the potential of a lot yeah. of money. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, don't be greedy. Why you got to be so greedy that you can't just share a little bit of that? I, I don't understand it. But anyway, that yeah. Mechagodzilla, the show era Mechagodzilla is on the top of my list. Because he was terrifying. Um, he was an alien. An alien construct. So he had incredible the multiple abilities mm-hmm. that no human being could like te- human technology could not even like his head spinner. He has a force field, multiple missiles, beams out of his chest, eye lasers. Uh, did he have? Yeah. Yeah. Eye lasers. He had the um, beam in his mouth. I mean, he was just terror. He was, he was just horror. And what would be really fun would be if they ever tried to put something, I don't know if that could be somebody draw a piece or whatever, but have him face off against all of Mechagodzilla <laughs> and see who would win. That'd be kind of fun. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you make a stink about it, Death Battle might do it. Oh, Screw it. Cool. Are, yeah. they still, are they still around? Is Death Battle still oh, around? Oh, yeah, yeah, 10 what years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I mean, I, 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 like a couple years ago, I kept uh, writing in the comments, do Darkseid versus Thanos, and eventually they got around to doing it. Oh, wow. There you so, go. You know, all right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I, they probably didn't do it based off of my comment, yeah. but I mean, it, it was a natural show off. It was a natural matchup, but I like to think I did. But, you know, well, you, inter- you, inter- you interacted, and probably they did. Most likely, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with the fact that someone saw that and said, okay, all right, let's just see. There. <laughs> All there right, go. sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> one, one can dream. <laughs> well, I know Frankie here in what, maybe an hour you got an art? Yeah, an I art know. Auction. It was so funny. Hey, Matt, I freaked out because I saw the po- uh, early posting on for the video when this is going to air. And I said, oh, shoot, dude. <laughs> right, so I reached out to Ken. I said, Ken, I just wanted to say, man, look, dude, what time is this going to be? My paranoia. Oh, yeah. I want to give it. you enough time to yeah. relax and prepare you for go. your next yeah. deal. And so um, to kind of conclude, um, Kaijus and Cowboys, the Kickstarter yep. uh, campaign begins April 30th. We already, yes. as of this recording, posted your Facebook page and oh, awesome. your um, Kickstarter page. Oh, we fantastic. will continue to do that every few days just to kind of make sure people oh, awesome. see it. Oh, and you. so go support that. They named off some of the um, 
gifts and the, and the incentives that they yeah I think I think we're up really to cool. Are we up to forty? Are we up to forty-one? That's good. Let's see if we can get the yeah. fifty, folks. Come on, <laughs> you I, was, I was I was hoping for thirty-five, and like yeah. this has already blown past my expectations. Well, I'm trying. So. I'm, my thing is that I'm a I'm a realist, and so when I think about these campaigns. I'm trying to be level-headed about it. I'm just like, you know, not expecting too much. We just go in, and if people come and whatever. But, you know, you always, your heart's pounding. I'm not going to lie. I even told Matt, we were talking on the phone. I said, yeah, my heart's pounding. That's how you're drooling. Because it is exciting. It's, it's like you're literally putting something out there, and now a bunch of people are now engaging onto it. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's like and, I'm on a roller coaster right now. Yeah. Since, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Since you guys yeah. are planning on doing a 12 issue for Kaijus and Cowboys. Yes. Um, after that, do you guys plan on possibly doing some kind of spinoff with it? Or we don't know yet. Or expanded universe? I, I don't I know mean, yet. If it's successful, yeah. if then that's it. That's absolutely. the tough thing, yeah. If the, if the fans, I mean, yeah, that lies on the fans. The fans yeah. have to, you know, if they, they, if they come out, and, and, and trust me, I'm a huge advocate. Like, there's another book called Kaiju Max and, and Xander that's Cannon. What you seen it right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, that's one of the few things I have read. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was on a, I was on a um, a, a, not a podcast, but I was on a show with um Xander, and I said when I saw because originally when I first saw some of the images, I was like, eh. I was like, okay, let me just get it. I read that; it blew my mind. It blew, it literally. I was like, boom, he he captured so much of what that that feeling of. Like he found a way to merge Showa, all the errors, in my feeling. Like he was able to take that, but then he also put the twist of the idea of the prison system and that kind of real world. That's what I'm talking about. And but you look at the artwork, and the artwork's like you know, again, it, there's some serious stuff going on in it. But he's been very, God, his skill, his his ability to be able to do it in such a way where it's not like he's showing blatant violence or hardcore stuff where it's really like you know gory or anything. But you do get a sense of how powerful and how like it's just sad moments and things like that in it. And he's done it so skillfully. Mm. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm waiting for the, the next um, graphic novel that's dropping. So, yeah. And so where can people reach out to you guys, see your guys' work, get in contact with you? Where can people find you? Frankie, we'll, we'll have you go first here. All right. Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Um I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. If people want to see, I treat my YouTube channel as a portfolio. So it's really a progress, progress work. People have been having fun with it. I do a little chatting. Don't talk the ears off too much, but let me hear some music. And then um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Although, you know, LinkedIn is more the business stuff, but Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr too, surprisingly. I'm still on Tumblr. <laughs> so that's a rarity. You know, I really sometimes I get a little clicks and people go, oh, I like your work. And it's like, OK, cool, dude. And, <laughs> and so but pretty much, yeah, you find me on Facebook and Twitter and such. Yeah. OK. And Matt, where can people find you? Uh, well, the two best places are Facebook and Twitter. Um, those are the two accounts that I check the most often. And um, if you really like want to like ask a question or just engage or say hi, Twitter would probably be the best place. Yeah. Uh, Twitter handle is mblair112. Um, if anyone's ever interested, I promise I will do my le- absolute level best to uh, respond. You've been talking a lot on Twitter. I've been catching you. 
<laughs> You've been well, yeah, I mean, I also write uh, reviews <laughs> for a multiversity, so like yeah. you know that you know oh, you that adds to the Twitter stream as well. Um, so yeah, I love seeing your I love seeing your little comments when like you're, you're commenting on other people's stuff. Like That's you just it. slide right in there. It's like, oh, I see what you did there. You just slides right in. It's like, okay, all right. Well, you know, when one has no original, few original thoughts of one's own, or if, if one is saving one's original thoughts for one's writing, the you know other people's are other people's thoughts are the best places. So, and this is why you know. I love this guy, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Kirby. We're the new Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, but with less screwing over. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So. A little bit more energy. I mean, Jack, I love Jack Kirby, but I think Jack Kirby was unfortunately his his his, his downside was that he 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 was he was he was an artist, but he just focused on the artist the art side. That was his only thing. He was just like, I just want to draw my stuff and whatever. And yeah. I think that if he had a little bit a little bit of what Stan had, I think he would have been in a much different place. Stan yeah. Lee, Stan Lee was a writer and a creator, but also he by far that man knew how to sell. He became the pitch man. He became the I tell people he wasn't just Marvel. He became the pitch man for all comic books. I think everyone benefited from Stanley. DC Comics, Dark, everyone. They all benefit because what he did was he he made it accessible for people who didn't know anything. There's a lot of people out there that don't know nothing about comics, still don't. When I took Jess to go see Guardians of the Galaxy, she knew nothing about that. All she knew was Chris Pratt. <laughs> And that's it. She was just like, oh, yeah, it's Chris Pratt. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but I was like, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was all geeking, have my geek moment, going, oh, my God, Charlie 27. And she's just like, huh, Chris Pratt. And she saw him dancing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what people, fans from the fandom have to understand, is that as much as we may know a lot of stuff about this, um, these studios are trying to make money. And I'm and serious. They are trying to reach a, a, a people out there that don't know anything about this. Um, and so how do you do that? Well, you put big, you put stars that people recognize and you create it in a way where their minds can grasp it, you know, and this is talking to people who never don't know the back history of a lot of this stuff, you know, right. um, the detriment to some of that, I feel, is that Marvel and DC well, Marvel. They never try to bring people into the comic book side. So I think that's why the comic books are hurting the way they are. It's like they don't have the, the vast numbers that like they used to have back in the day. And the same thing, like, well, Godzilla. A lot of people don't know all this back history on Godzilla. All they know is what they put out right now. And then they go, okay, ah, okay. And then, but that's, the studios have to do it that way. It's just, that's how it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, the the what I was told when I was communicating with people who are much higher up on the comic book food chain than yeah. I am was like Marvel and DC are at a point in like in the popular culture where the comic books aren't necessarily comic books. They're um, R and D. Yes. There you go. So, Thank you. Yes. Like, yes. um, spoilers, spoilers for Falcon and the winter. So for Falcon and the winter. Oh, Soul that was amazing. Uh, yeah. Awesome it. show. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, like I was watching that show and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I've, I've read that comic. Like, you yeah. know, I've, I've seen that comic, like all these shows, all these storylines that like, um, that we see in the movies. Like I remember reading the comics, like I remember yeah. Iron Man three and like, I remember the extremist storyline. Exactly. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's a soup. 
It's a super, yeah. like you got all this stuff coming in. You've got all yeah. these ideas, and the movies are part of it. And then, yeah. like you know, it it becomes this sort of mass that people process and create. And like speaking as someone who was not a superhero fan, who was yeah. not like you know never grew up watching creature features or yep. anything like that like seeing all that and seeing like all the you know the the, the fan reactions and seeing all this stuff it's all inspiring and it it's uh it, it it's it's inspired it's inspiring and it's helped me become a better writer and a better person and with so, that yeah. <laughs> Boom. We're done. Mic drop. We're done. We're out of here. And guys, so, it's been a fantastic time. Yeah. Def- thank you guys so much for coming on. You guys have been an incredible blast to listen to and to talk to. And we need to try to figure out a sure to get you guys on here. I know you guys are busy well, with your current project. And the project is Kaijus and Cowboys campaign starts April 30th on Kickstarter. Go check it out. Think about making a donation. Make this happen, folks. Make it happen. Come on. Where's my fam at? Come on, people. Don't talk the talk. Do the walk. Come on. Love us. Help us help you. We've got so yes. much. We yes. have so much to give. We have to keep the momentum going with the Kajus. Come on, Kajus robots. We've got to keep this momentum going. If you want to see it, if you, you truly are a fan of, 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 of the genre, then we're out there. I don't. I'm. I'm tired of hearing excuses. Oh, I don't see people drawing their art. Yeah, I see a lot of artists drawing their art. There's people writing stories too. We're out there. Them. We need your help. We need your help. We're 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 just a small little indie guys that's just just coming up. We can't compare to an IPs that have existed for over what 50, 60 years. But we're doing our part. You know, so I'm just and saying. And then you're giving away authentic original artwork. You, I don't see that too many times with, with some of these Kickstarters. So oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Authentic <laughs> artwork. Come on now. Come on. Out. <laughs> you know you want it. You know you want it. Right on. And with that, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you to everybody out there who is watching us, listening to us on the various platforms. We really appreciate it. Check it out. Kaijis and Cowboys, Facebook, Kickstarter, any other uh, social media platforms that that, uh, this is advertised on? That's pretty much it. Twitter. Okay. Instagram. All right. Go Go to those places. Check it out. Think about making a donation. Keep the art flowing. <laughs> and the creativity strong. That's my thing. Keep the art flowing. Creativity strong. <laughs> right. Awesome. Thank you guys Take so care, much. Guys. Thank All you right. so much. Yep. Take care, Bye-bye. everyone.